0: Hi there, my name is Ben Eaton, and welcome to the Performing Musicians podcast. In this podcast, I'll be chatting to a broad range of musicians, artists, songwriters about their experience in the music industry. We'll be talking about their dreams, their background, their career highlights and a range of other topics relating to making a living inside this tough cutthroat industry. We'll also be discussing the current COVID-19 crisis and how it affects their income, their goals, their dreams and what they think might happen next to them and the industry they love. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, guys, uh, and welcome to another episode of the Performing Musicians podcast. Today, I'm lucky enough to speak to Mr. David Orr, singer, songwriter, guitarist, uh, formerly of Brisbane, now residing in the metropolis of Austin, Texas. How are you, mate? Good. How you doing, man? Yeah, good, good, good. We've just been uh, doing a little bit of the uh, preliminary chatting off mic, talking about... uh, the, the times the the, the, the uh, traumas of relocating yes um, just to get people familiar with you can you um, can you just run us through um, what do you do and how long have you been doing it
1: man I mean as a musician you just sort of keep trying to progress and you keep doing different things so it's like it's hard to say what do you do it's like um I guess what's brought me over to austin has just been um a lot of the music i've been, really been drawn to um really took me to this town i, I really dig a lot of the a lot of the um stuff that's come out of here and stylistically um but as far as a working muso i mean it, same as yourself man we kind of do you, you you sort of fall into things like um yeah since lockdown i've been doing a bit of just i got my apollo here and i'm, and I'm the apollo yeah, twin yeah i got my twin i got my amp mic'd up and i've sort of been doing from dance stuff to bloody like whoever has been hitting me up to do stuff and and doing collabs with people and yeah so it's like um yeah it's sort of your influences change all the time and it's it's, this, it's a journey. It's a never-ending journey, isn't it? Just, uh, it?
0: It really is. It yeah. really is. But you're sort of – you're one of those rare birds that can sort of do it all. You sing and you play and you compose and you, you i band and you yeah, tour and you do everything.
1: I've always dug um, writing songs. That's always been a real – really got a, a kick out of putting together a tune and taking it to your – to your friends in the jam room and, and putting it together, I've always found that very exciting. And um, I think it's the thing that, that sort of keeps putting fire in the engine for me. Um, so, um, and so, yeah, any any sort of creative and writing and, um, yeah, and, and just being influenced by different staff. I mean, that that is... Um, I think, I think singing is sort of my second instrument. I, I, yeah. I try that. I, I always end up, I think I started as a guitar player and sort of moved into singing just more out of, um, having an idea and how to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and you know how it is in bands, man, you're like the less people you have to sort of have a relationship. Um, cause it's such a, it's like a family, a band, isn't it? So it's like, Absolutely. um, Always found a trio a really cool thing, you know. It's like um, and just just as far as that, that that relationship and being able to just rock up to a room and and just hear the bones of the song. Like I, I love having two guitars and keys in there and, and horns and stuff. But it's just to, just to be able to rock up with two of your two of your good bros and um, put something get can hear the whole picture you know so i think that's Absolutely. what's always made me you know, go give, give me a mic i'll try and i'll try and do that you know
0: yeah yeah i remember mm. i remember because um, i i started singing in choirs when i was very young right I, I sort of i sort of when i discovered guitar i just went this is not really what i do guitar is what i do so i you know i' played guitar obsessively for like 10, 10 12 13 14 years before i even thought about singing yeah and the and the only reason i started singing is because it was the practical thing to do yeah and because i had the ideas or it wasn't even that it was like i can't get a good singer so i'm just gonna do it i'm gonna give it a go
1: yeah that's it man
0: just you know and and it turns out you know if 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 you've got a clear vision of what you want to have and and what you want to sound like you can you can even if you're not particularly amazing at the vocals, yeah. Some of the best quote unquote vocalists in the world aren't technically great vocalists.
1: That's true. I mean, if the if the idea is there and it's honest and real and it's captured at the right time, it's it's awesome, you know. That's, and, yeah, that's and, and it. that passes on to the listener and they can hear that. I Absolutely. think um, just when you're talking about that, I kind of remember like what as well with the with the writing thing. I remember when I first learnt, started playing guitar. I, I was, I was right into skateboarding as a, as a young, um, as around, you know, 12 to 13, 14, 15 around then and was obsessed with that. It's like, yeah. I think it's a musician thing too. You become really, you really yeah. OCD and you, you love just repetition and getting something right and you'll yeah. sit there and do it. And um, So skating was the thing that I, I did that with um, and then I broke my arm and um ah. pretty badly and ended up um then we went on a holiday with my family and um there was no television set and my dad <laughs> my dad played guitar um and he loved like john denver and cat stevens and all that sort of nice. stuff he's a bit of a picker and um he showed me a few chords i remember only, I don't know, like a D chord and a G chord, but straight away I already had like a little tape deck and I just loved recording myself and listening back to it. Like just hearing, okay, I can put those chords together and now it's, you know. So I think it's that thing of um, what you're saying before, like you get a vision and yep. when you get to just have a vision and then turn it into something you hear, that's the that's the drug with music for me. It's like, um,
0: absolutely, you know. My old man gave me an old uh 8 track recorder. Right. You know, the old the old reel to cool. reel. Go. Reel to reel tapes, and you could flip them and reverse it. Right. So I when I first started playing and everything and you know you've got that real free spirit so you I was writing songs in reverse and then having them. play Yeah, that. cool. And they and they sounded fucking terrible. Like it was, <laughs> it, was hor- it was shocking. Like Did you it was ever so do bad. that thing? I used to do this thing where I I'd
1: have two get a two tape decks two get Oh, totally. Man, totally. Yeah, you record on one and then you'd aim yep. the other one. Yeah. Yep.
0: yep. Press press uh, press uh, play, <laughs> re- play record and then play on the other one and then yeah and then plug in. I had a stereo that you could plug your guitar into, so I'd play into the stereo. Right. It sounded so bad. Yeah, but it was. It was so. It was good. amazing, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At Had the time, no you were like, you were like, oh, this is the this is so, this is the best thing ever. No Odily. one's ever thought of this. No one's ever thought of this before. <laughs> yeah. And are you from? Uh, are you from Brisbane originally?
1: Yeah. Yep. Brisby, born, raised. Um, so I grew up in in like Brookfield, Kenmore, oh, right. around Western suburbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's that's where we used to live out out behind Kenmore and right. To, so yeah, I had Cosby. a um,
1: yeah. I grew up um, actually a really old buddy of mine. I went to primary school at Kenmore State School, and um, and I met one of my really good buddies, Robbie, in in grade three. We met, and um, and we skated together, and then ended up just you get into a lot of music from skating as well. So that's why my, yeah. my, my starting music I really dug was like, um, maybe like a lot of people was like, uh, Ramones, Dead Kennedys, yep. um, all that stuff. And then like the mother's milk, Rebel Chili Peppers record and friends of Rome. Yeah. All that stuff really went with, um, no effects. What we're doing in yeah, no effects. Um, and then we started playing music together and, um, I did, uh, the band I did Numbers Radio was with Rob and he's actually oh, got, go. yeah, and he's got a studio, um, at Kenmore now. So we, it was a really cool thing because, uh, we we'd done so much stuff together and, um, you know, he's got a studio in, in where we grew up, you know, and, um, That's so amazing. there was a lot of, um, heart and soul with that. There was a lot of, yeah, blood, sweat and tears with that band.
0: And do you remember, um, do you remember the, the, the thing that made you, like, the spark that sort of got you to take guitar seriously? Like, you, you said it was your dad gave it to you on holidays, but what really sort of, what sort of kicked you into gear? What was your sort of I think it spark? was just,
1: you'd look up to the bands you had records of, like, um, I mean, when the Barna Nevermind came out. I, I think yeah. I was 15 or 16 that was just like what is this thing what is this music and um, soundgarden bad motorfinger oh, yeah. like yeah i mean just having that on cd and just be like this is i think it was just the 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 want to be a part of that like just yep. the drive to like i don't you can't explain it it's just like i want to be part of that whatever that is i want to be whatever that is that's yeah, what i want yeah it's like um so, I remember
0: watching. I remember watching Rage, um, and seeing the Jesus Christ. pose. Yeah, man, I was just about. I was
1: yeah, I had that on. We. Uh, I remember taping Rage, and we yeah. had this one cassette we play over and over again. And it had like that Jesus Christ pose when he's like smashing the screen with the oh. hammer, and and I had um Sepultura the um uh, yes. Territory. Remember the Territory?
0: War for Territory. Yeah. territory.
1: And um Danzig. That yes. mother, mother tune. There's oh so much. God. I just think that was a pretty incredible time with music. Yes.
0: Like early early nineties was so much of a, a, a just a mix of big time man
1: really good early
0: really good hip hop and stuff coming out. Yeah, there too. man.
1: Like we um they've just done, I don't know if you've seen it that new um uh, public enemy um have done
0: straight out of Compton.
1: No, no. Um, fight the power 2020 so they've done oh. a new version of that fight the power pa- I, I remember listening to that record fear of a black planet yeah that was such a great record that and nwa yeah yep yeah <laughs> so you know it's so many albums isn't there like that um that they're just a part of i, I don't I don't know i don't know if um like young if i'm just an old dude and like young people are growing up with the same records they dig or, or, or um you know if they're going to grow up. I remember those records or, or maybe that's a thing that is this isn't going to happen as much now.
0: I don't I don't think so man. I yeah. I think I think there's there's a sort of cuz my my oldest daughter's 13. So she the way she listens to music is not the way we would have listened to music like she just yeah. they don't interface with culture the same way. No. It's I I I remember scarcity at that time was such a thing like if you saw a band yeah. Like in, in the early 90s, even late 90s, even up into the early 2000s, you'd you'd see a band and you'd be like, was that? And you'd have to like yeah. buy magazines and you'd have to actually chase that. You'd have to ask people, Had, did you see that? Who is that band? I yeah. Mean, somebody's cousin would know because they just got back from America or something, you know, yeah, like you'd have to wait to like even like countdown. Yeah. Like late 80s, early 90s. Now you just go- Oh, who's that band? And you go, doo, doo, doo. oh, it's that band. I'm gonna listen to that song right now. Oh, that's a good song. Yeah. And then, then you don't bother. Like a, l- a lot of those. Don't the way I, light, yeah, yeah. You don't and listen to albums. Because that's a,
1: how would that be like? I just feel like there's albums and there's live gigs that have happened where you, you're cruising along and then you go, holy fuck, what was that? And it sort of changes your direction. Yeah. And yeah. it's like there's such. they I can I can tell you them right now. They're just these. Times where you just where you, where you kind of you have your influences and then you see something or hear something and you just like
0: whoa,
1: um, that's Changes a game, game changer again.
0: Changes of um, course.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a lot. I remember mean, so like going way back. I remember seeing um, that. Remember that Helmet album, Betty. Oh man. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember I remember seeing the Helmet play at Festival Hall, and that was just ridiculous. It was like whoa. So it's like. That then fueled, and I remember, remember, um, just before Numbers Radio started, hearing that Block Party, um, that first oh, Block Party yeah. album, and that what was just so good. Like, um, and for me, I've always, I've always gotten I've always still loved, um, always sort of had blues and rhythm and blues and jazz, and you know, it's always boiling away in the background. Um, yeah. As well as loving punk rock and um, and yeah, our first time we came to Austin, we saw um, we saw Gary Clark play at Stubbs, wow. and it was it was like two thousand. It was just before his first record, so he was big here because he's born and raised here. Um, and it was a wicked big outdoor gig, and it was just, that was a moment right there. That was a like, man, this this music, I love this. Whatever is happening here, it's like this is cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and that sort of just feeds you like, oh, you know, um, the
0: creative juice.
1: Yeah, um, and, and and now we're living here, so it's like, you know, four or five full years c- later, we we, we kind of wanted to, and certain things just happened, and um, now we're here in a full pandemic. Circle, so mate. full circle, full <laughs>
0: circle
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was trying. Um, t- now we're just gonna try and survive.
0: Yeah, you'll be you'll be fine, mate. Um, what can you remember your first gig? Oh, um, it could be
1: like, um, very first gig. I don't know if I can, but I can remember the very first couple of gigs where, um, we played at the Treasury. Oh, yep. Remember that? And, yep. um, and we'd all get in Robbie's fan. So it wasn't, it was one of the bands when I was like, before, you know, when I was like, 19 years old or something. Yeah. And, you know, you'd all throw everything in the back of the van and go and the drummer would forget his drumsticks and <laughs> then he'd get too drunk and would would pack his shit down. And just, just useless individuals. I don't know how he actually got anything done ever. But um, I remember we were so like, oh, yeah, gig. This is so amazing. We'd try and create this show. I remember we had like these samples. We'd play on a tape. We had mic'd up a tape deck. And before a song I'd hit play and it'd be like some Cheech and Chong episode yep. or something. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. And then
1: you'd launch into the song. Like you'd yeah, be nice. so like, wow, we're doing a gig. This is incredible. So um at the Treasury, that's amazing. Yeah, that was that was a that was a pretty incredible um place. Cause it was like um that had a big part to do with Rolo, who was yep. in front of Blowhard. A punk rock
0: icon um, of Brisbane.
1: Yeah, which weirdly enough, me and Robbie ended up playing in Blowhard. Not too, too many oh, years that's after right. that. Yeah. So oh, it's man. like that was a bit of a um, that was a bit of a um, bachelor in, in punk punk rock driving around Australia in a the shittiest bus you've ever seen in your life was falling apart um, with ten people. That was fun. Oh my god. Um oh my God. But I remember that venue, he, he very much created something there. Like Yeah. I remember going there the first time, I was actually pretty scared. It was just like, man, all these people walking around with safety pins for their ears and shit. These scary motherfuckers everywhere. But yeah,
0: Rollo like, Rolo is a is a bit of a unique character. Well, it was a unique character. He's passed away two mm-hmm. years. Well, actually a while back now, isn't it? it? be like
1: two years ago. Yeah. Two
0: years, yeah. He sort of was fairly instrumental in the punk rock scene in and around sort of Southeast Queensland. And, you know, he, he, he was very influential. Big time. Yeah. well he put on gigs like no one else was doing that. So a lot of people
1: at his funeral, they did it at the Tivoli and the Tivoli was packed. It was the most incredible funeral. It was beautiful. It was like, um, so it was like Tivoli was totally packed out and there was just so many people just saying the same thing. It's like he sort of created these places for the, for the misfits of Brisbane to go, you know, like people who didn't belong anywhere else, like belong, they they weren't the jocks, they weren't the, you know, the nerds or these outcasts that all sort of hooked up and played music. So, um, yeah, I think, um, I remember Ben from Regurgitator sort of says, you know, he he was there as well and he sort of had the same opinion. He's like, you know, if it wasn't for people like Rollo creating that scene, and it, it does sort of make me, think um what's the scene is there a scene like original music scene like that now in in Brizzy I, I don't know but it could again it could just be because I'm I'm an old dude and I don't, yeah. <laughs> it probably is there you know it's like um well I no, think I it's always that dude as well. it's like back in the day we you know
0: yeah yeah it's always a thing that like it's uh I think there's been a few seismic shifts in in the Brisbane music scene, and I think one of the seismic shifts in the Brisbane music scene was um, Campbell Newman, Rezoning the Valley. Right. So that you got, you know, bars like Rick's Bar, which isn't, you know. Yeah. When I was younger, going to Rick's Bar, they were full-on nights. Like, you would go and there would be full-on bands. There'd be four bands. They'd be loud. And then with a the stroke of his pen, that guy just changed it all by rezoning the whole of the valley into be a residential zone.
1: Yeah, so, right. So, it gets gentrified, everyone moves in. And-
0: yeah. And, I mean, they're, they're, they're actual real-world political decisions, which, you know, there was a time in Brisbane, I remember, in the early, early 2000s when it was considered like one of the music capitals of the world for a short time. There was mm. articles written about it in the Rolling Stone and – you know, there was a lot of really uh, amazingly good music coming out of the valley, specifically mm. in Brisbane. And there's one man that just went, "Nah, we're not having any of that." And he he got rid of it, and he got rid of it overnight. Like I remember, yeah, right. wow. I remember the 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 early two thousands being like, "Just this place is amazing. The many yeah, great right. bands. Every See, I every wasn't club. really playing around." By them, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a bit older than you, mate, but it's just w- walking around, there's all these great bands, there's all this vitality, all this life. And yeah. And it's just all gone. It's just all gone. I mean, it's still there. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, I've been out of Brisbane now for what, five years in August. So, mm. you know, I, I have sort of a, a more of a stale take than yourself would, but I, I did find that the music scene has definitely shifted away from Brisbane. You can make a really good living in Brisbane. You can. But you can't be too creative is what i encountered Mm. i think is is the issue i don't know if you can't
1: be too creative or all the guys you play with all the time are too tired because they just do so many gigs and are earning really good money (laughs) it's like hey man do you want to get in the jammer it's like dude i've done like seven gigs this week. i'm fucked yeah i I just haven't got (laughs) the. you just run out you just simply i mean i got like that a lot it's like you just literally don't have and that is awesome at the same time because there's plenty. There's a lot of people, you know. Um, I know that's been a big thing for me here. It's like kind of really noticing, you know, there are so many guns playing everywhere yeah. in Austin. Yeah. There are so many yeah. gigs happening in Austin, and um, but it's tips, man. That's like it's not mega bucks, but but you can work a lot, um, and all the work that everyone's doing is. Is inspiring and and there's yes. incredible players, so it's yes. like. Um, but then you know, me and you have done all of those same sort of um, gigs where we're playing acoustic and, and hanging out, and um, you you're earning really good money. But you could you, you could just turn your loop station on and and that's that's great. It's wicked. I, I, I think I I don't want to poo poo it at the same time because I know that it's done all, it did a lot for my craft of yep. becoming a better player and singer and it's Absolutely. like what you can't. That's it, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also think, very thankful of. Um, we well, sorry. What were we going to say?
0: I think tra- having travelled around the world a bit and sort of seen a lot of different sort of different cities and ecosystems, I would say Brisbane is quite unique. Yeah. In the fact that there is a really strong, there is a really strong representation of quality musicians in Brisbane. Big time, man. Big time. There's amazing musicians in that city. And it's also kind of unique in the fact that I find that Brisbane really uniquely has a – it's a great work-life balance for musicians, Mm. but it's also uniquely – it's suppressant to um, uniqueness. Yeah. If you you can play the same 40 songs seven nights a week – in, in the same sort of group of bars, you'll get treated very well and you'll make a shit ton of money. Mm. But if you don't play it exactly the way it's sometimes, you know, certain bars, if you don't play the right solo at the right time, people would be like, what are you doing? What, what, why don't you just play well, the song, it, mate? It,
1: it's been a bit of a, um, it's blown me away a bit here because there isn't a covers music scene. Really, wow. there is, there is, there is, but nowhere near the same. Like, there are there aren't a billion opportunities to play acoustic. Well, I mean, in, in Brizzy, in
0: Brizzy, there's such a strong scene for acoustic covers, like big time. It's and so, so strong. So
1: you can turn it into a normal job. Yeah, I mean, I go like you can turn, you can make. A, a living, a proper, a, a real living where you can buy a house and actually yeah. progress, and you're not, which is incredible. It's so awesome, man. And and um, so that yeah, I can't poo poo it for that. It's like, um,
0: and there's amazing, there's amazing guys there, like our mutual friend Chris Dillon, and oh man, like I owe that, like, <laughs> that dude yeah. that dude has saved
1: my ass more times than I can, you know. He's you know, such yeah. a legend, and and to to, to have an, an like Chris, like to have an agent who. Who is a musician himself? So yep. he's like meeting him was like man, this, this, that's how a musician agent relationship should be. It's like absolutely. Um, so he just looks after. It. It, 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 yeah, it's a great thing. Brisbane has a great thing going on. Um, it really
0: does. It really does. But I mean, it's there's there is also the reason that people like yourself do move away because it's it you've got to you've got to as a creative person. How, Maybe you can discuss this a little bit. As a cre- creative person, I found myself um, as someone who does a lot of the same sort of things as you do. You know, like singer-songwriter, guitarist. Um, I found that in order to push myself, you have to push yourself out of the comfort zone. And because Brisbane is such a, it's such oh, got it's a great design. scene. It's it very, is. it can, it's really easy to get really comfortable. Oh yeah. And I found myself getting really comfortable. Yeah. And how how do how do you balance that idea of comfort and challenging yourself, especially with a with a with a, a young family as you have now?
1: I think that's. Um, well, when, in Brizzy, I was very very grateful for the time that I had at the the residency at the Bowery. Yeah. So we the, we had this little dive bar there, and. At- and it's really small. Well, and it's sort of unheard of to have a place where you can jam whatever you want um, and stretch out and improvise. Um, and we were there for over 10 years.
0: That's amazing.
1: Is, and you talk to anyone anywhere in the world and they'll go, that's pretty ridiculous yeah. um, for, for a residency. So I, I feel like I learned how to play in that room. <laughs> like, yeah. um, And just so, it was such a great get-together of, music, of all of the great muses of Brisbane would, you know, it'd be like a little, it'd be like an episode of cheers or something that it was great, man. Like, and you know, people sit in. And so that was, um, I think if I didn't have that outlet every week that even I don't, I'd even have a Thursday night where I'd be like, man, I'm tired. I'm just fucking tired. Like not nah, getting the car, go and do it. Um, and then be like, that's right. This is awesome. You know? Yeah. Um, and, but, and it's also, it's playing with other people. And I think that, um, if you play solo all the time, that can just make you go insane. Because, yeah. man, I remember talking to, you know, Mark Perrick. Yes. Yeah. My, I remember going to Mark, oh, man, I've I, I just messaged people now and then if I hadn't done enough gigs with people, I'd be like, man, we got to jam, we got to jam, man. And he'd be like, yeah, music was not meant to be played by itself all the time. It's yes. kind of true, you know. It's like
0: yeah.
1: it, it it's that um, communicating together musically, um." Like I love playing solo and it's an awesome thing to to, to be able to do. Um, but, yeah, if you hang out too much by yourself, you start to go a bit crazy. So I think um, my – I don't know if it's like a midlife crisis or some shit, but have, <laughs> ha- having a child and yeah. then going – and I just felt like um, – man, and it's early days here, but I just felt like, um, all right, this is your – your future's mapped out of what's going to happen now. You're gonna you're gonna teach guitar, do some gigs, you know, and you, you this is this is what's happening, and that sort of freaked me out. Yeah. Um, and then the green card came up for us to, for a visa for us to come here, and and but just before um, the green card came, we had our I'll rewind a little bit. Just before we got the visa, we had our first child. So. When we did actually get accepted for it, we were like, "Fuck! I don't know if we want to do this anymore." We've got this six-month-old screaming baby now. Like, we can't do that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So we um, you have a you have a couple of years to sort of R, um ah, though, which um actually sucks because limbo land sucks, man. I don't
0: know if you. Oh yeah.
1: If you, did you guys have a big time of limbo land?
0: I had a limbo when I when we arrived. They took away my passport for two years. What? Yeah, 2 right. years. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> Though I didn't have a passport for 2 years, so I couldn't travel. I was just stuck. Yeah, it was a bit shit. Your Australian um, passport. No, yeah, they took my passport because when we first arrived, um this was just before Brexit, they had the Brexit decision. Oh. And and then I I had applied for a visa within 3 months of arriving. Yeah. And like literally 2 weeks after the Brexit decision came, my um application was rejected so then i i had to um appeal and the appeal took two years all all that time i didn't have a passport
1: and it's just i think i've really learned that about myself and i think i've grown a lot from it it's like um not i mean nothing's certain in this life right
0: oh yeah but to (laughs) not
1: to not know what the fuck you're doing like next to not to not have a bit of a game plan of where you so it's like should we go shouldn't we go and you'd be like well should i buy that lawnmower because maybe we're gonna go so there's there's so many things you don't think of and it's like that's really unsettling um and so even if you know it's a pandemic going on um and we're in an apartment but uh, you know i feel way more relaxed now because i know (laughs) because i know what we're doing
0: absolutely does that make sense absolutely
1: but, but for two years, pretty much as well, it was just like, don't know what we should do or what the right because you just two yeah
0: anyway. So, did you um, did you get it through the green card lottery or yeah? Wow. Yeah, that's amazing because we yeah. actually we actually applied for that as well. We did I think we did it two years in a row and just n- it never came through.
1: Yeah, it was it was it's a it's a stressful thing to go through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I mean, if. Depending on your situation, because it's yeah. like, you know, yeah. So we, we just bought a house, we just had a baby, and then we went overseas.
0: Yeah, so was not some, just it, overseas, emigrated <laughs> to another country.
1: <laughs> it was some, uh, yeah. It, it's funny, like all our stuff arrived, um, the stuff that we shipped, you know, not what? too long ago. That's right. really weird. I don't know if you guys had that, but you're like, because yeah. you get used to all the stuff you got. Like I, I, I brought... When I flew over, I flew with my Gibson and my nice acoustic guitar because um, I knew that would cover the, my basses. And then, um, and just I packed what clothes I kind of needed. And um, then you get used to not having all the other shit. Yep. And then all of a sudden, like 20 boxes of stuff come and you're like, I don't actually. I was I was happy to see my other guitars. I was like, yeah, but like I don't want all that other stuff anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we're we a little bit more militant. We actually basically sold everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: we, yeah. We I sold. I think I sold like eight guitars. Wow. We, we sold. We basically we shipped one cubic meter of stuff to wow, the UK. Wow, man. And then we had one other ba- uh, box, just a normal size box, come maybe. Three months later, and that's all yeah, right. we brought. We're, we're a little bit, we're a little bit more militant about it. We just went, you know what? If we're gonna do it, let's like let's go hardcore. Yeah. And so we did. Um, I just, I you know, I, I I do miss a couple of those guitars though.
1: Yeah. I I have look. There's a box of clothes here. I haven't even opened it yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. But the yeah, guitars, yeah. like yeah.
1: And then all the other boxes which came were were my kids' toys and oh, my wife's. Yeah five thousand pairs of clothes and shoes and shit you know so it's like she was happy to see that
0: yeah i can imagine
1: um but it wasn't a lot of stuff either like we're we're the same man we're just it's such a it's such a bizarre time like we sold everything and um but you're like because you're in a bit of a hurry you're like yeah he's 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 a cow And people are coming in on gum tree trying to bargain you down
0: oh yeah I was, I was selling uh, by the end of stuff. I was selling stuff for like a tenth of the price. Yeah, just because I ha- I have to sell it to you now because I'm leaving in like a week. So yeah,
1: you know, so, you know, so it was, yeah. it's sort of cleansing as well, isn't that sort of?
0: I felt I felt really because we we'd had we'd ha- be, we'd built our own house. We'd had our house wow. for nearly ten years when we left. Right, wow. you know, we we'd sort of <coughs> landscaped all the gardens and we i painted like pretty much the whole outside of the house myself. I'm an wow. exit tradesman, so yes. I did yeah, all the yeah, electrics yeah. and cool, did, a whole bunch of the, did a whole bunch of the work and the trees were all grown in and everything. And it was like, were, when we, and we had to do like, because we'd been in there for nearly 10 years when we, well, it was about eight years when we left. So I had to do a whole bunch of work on the house. Mm. So I'd like... Done the front decks and painted everything, and like we'd stained all the decks. And like the the week before we left, like my wife and I we were just in there, 12 hours a day, just working, working, working. And when we left the place looked fucking amazing. Like yeah, it was right. just, you could see the sparkles, you know, like that yeah off the right. walls and stuff. And it was just like, oh man, this place is pretty cool. Because our, like our back deck, we when we moved over to here, we moved into a flat that was basically a little bit bigger than our back deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's sort of like. Bizarre. Yeah, and, and you sort of, I, I <clears> guess, you know, you question that when you move, you question that, the first 3 months like the the first 3 months of us moving here the hardest 3 months of my life yeah like it was just so hard like yeah a whole bunch of shit you expected to go one way just went yeah, completely the other yeah, yeah, yeah. um you know luckily i fell into you know gigs pretty quickly through some you know friends from australia and stuff oh, like that so man. that was okay but like my wife is like she's got like 15 degrees and she's super smart and super awesome and she found it really hard to get a job and it was it's really tough it's really tough when you emigrate like uh, oh yeah
1: man well that's what i mean we're, we're extremely grateful that um that my wife still got a job
0: you know yeah well just before we get into you moving there can you just talk us through like some of your career highlights from living and, and working in australia before you moved across what were some of the your standout sort of gigs or experiences
1: well i guess um numbers radio we put a lot of lot of hard yards in um yeah. we had i don't know five or six tunes on triple j we were driving around australia heaps we toured with some in- great international bands and um some great national bands that was really cool um that was very much sort of the hardest we've gone with and, and in making putting a lot of time into producing a good record with um we did everything with our good, uh, friend jeff lovejoy yeah. Um, and also did a lot of our own recording that we'd sort of pre-pro and we just lived and breathed that band, you know. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was a really cool thing. I remember the first time we got played on, on Jays um, when the band had just started. Um, we put a tune out and we were sitting in the car um, at rehearsal. We just went to get some lunch and heard our song on, on the radio That was and that was such an incredible feeling um and that's amazing that really kept the fire going with that band for for a good um after we started 2008 and went to 2012 um yeah and we did a lot of big tour. like probably the biggest tour we did was birds of tokyo and that was around australia um and playing a massive crowds that was like such a great time um and the last tour we did was with butterfly effect um and that was a massive tour. It was like seventy dates or something. It was it was, it was big, um, and we just sort of the band sort of started to come to a bit of a. Um, I guess we just sort of parts of it. I don't, we, we went. We almost went too hard. It's like yeah. I, I think every band should have a should have breaks as well. It's a like pause. You, you feel like you have to constantly keep. Like I was just writing as much as I possibly could. um, Always, always like, oh, the next gotta make it's gonna be better, but wait, you know, make the next thing, keep, keep it coming, and it just sort of um, didn't recharge ever. So it sort of hit a point where it was like, man. Um, and so we sort of, after that tour, we just sort of went, oh, let's have a break. And um, then that same year, my good friend Mickey Manicus, yes, he um, gave me a call and said, hey, man, do you want to come play guitar? For the ten Tenors, this theatre act, and um, and I'd never been to Europe before, um, and it was a three month tour, so it was like wow. Um, I had to think about it and sort of talk to my wife, and 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 it, and at the same time, I was working at Alan's Music at the guitar yep. shop. Yep, because that was a great thing, you know, because um, I wasn't doing many many covers gigs. I was mainly doing the original band, and then working at a guitar shop. That's always a great little balance. Um, <clears throat> if your boss is cool and they let you take off whenever you want. Some bosses <laughs> were cool, right. some weren't. <laughs> um, so all of a sudden, Alan's music went just completely bust. Yep, I remember. And so that job ended. Numbers Radio sort of went on hiatus and I kind of went, well, yeah, fuck, all right, I'll do that. And... Um, I did 10 tenors for about four years, five years, and got to see a lot of like Germany and Holland and did a lot of American tours, Thailand, went to Argentina, uh, New Zealand a bunch of times. So that was really cool, um, sort of just being able to travel with your guitar. And also it was really cool like that theater world, I'd never really seen any of that before um
0: so the 10 the 10 tenors is a pretty sort of a fairly iconic operatic style show isn't yeah, it yeah and it's
1: a show sort of thing i've yeah. never done anything like that like you got any ears, it's all to click it's like doing yeah. a musical really yeah. yeah um and um i had to go between like i have a chair um i have my, my my nylon string guitar steel string guitar and my electric and then a in-ears on and i'd have to like I, it took me a while to sort of because in, in music theatre, man, you can't make a fucking sound. <laughs> you gotta be, yeah. you gotta, you can, because, you know, a lot of um, theatre goers are sitting there and they don't say a word, you know, they're watching the show. So it's like when things get quiet, they get really quiet.
0: Yeah. yeah, um, yeah.
1: So I've got all these cables and shit everywhere. Um, you know, I didn't have a guitar tech or anything like that. So I had to sort of rock up, get out of the bus do a setup that sort of worked and i sort of figured out a way that it could work because i'd have to change guitars you know in between songs quite quickly the click would just be going like boom on string you know and um a lot of teething a lot of a few things happened where it's like yeah Um,
0: the the md's giving you death (laughs) stares
1: yeah i was just like (laughs) man probably the worst one was um probably the worst one was um the input jack of my nylon string the oh, no. cat ca- came unscrewed like inside oh. the guitar oh. it was all and it was all jiggly so i was like ah oh, so I, I i detuned the strings got my hand in there tightened it up tuned the guitar up again and um and thought that's cool they're pretty old strings as well and i thought it's tuned up that's cool Put on the stand. We went and had dinner and everything. And the first song of the show was like a big, like a flamenco sort of strum. Oh, no. It it was like the tune from, um, what's that Mexican, uh, where he's got the guitar, he's got the machine gun in the guitar case. um, Oh. uh, I've forgotten the
0: name of the movie. I keep wanting to say machete, but I know the one you mean. It's got, uh, what's his name in it?
1: It's this big strum and um, it was just like, the most out-of-tune guitar
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, could,
1: you could possibly create. So it's like, but you do uh, that many shows, you know, um, you just keep refining it. Like I've never yeah. done – because you're in a bar. I, I, I think that was really cool too with that group. Um, and also like working for – in a big group of people. Like it was two buses, so you'd be with crew as well. But it wasn't a band, so, you know, so it was like – it was like a bunch of people just working together. There's no yeah. like egos really because, um, w- within the, within the musical group, because it's not someone's band. It's all like, let's just do a good job, you know?
0: Yeah. absolutely. Um,
1: and that was my first sort of eye opener to being in a coach and being in a bunk and not ever going to a hotel, like being on the road for like months on end where it's, I remember that first three months tour. It, it's so long that you, um, It just becomes your normal life, which is quite kind of a bizarre thing. Like, um, because you just you wake up in the bus at the venue at around midday because you've driven overnight somewhere, have a shower at the venue, go and grab some dinner, do sound check, and repeat, do over and over again. And and then maybe you get a day off somewhere, and you go, oh, cool, and go for a walk, and you're in some little town in Germany or something. Um, And that that was really cool. Um, then I just found, uh, I just made it when Henry came along, my son, I just kind of made the decision. I'd done it for about five years and I'd seen a lot and done a lot with that group. But I kind of thought if I'm going to travel, I'm going to do it with, with, with my own thing or, or, or music that I just am totally in love, you know, music that makes me go, yeah, this is why I do this. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like um, it was cool to see that, to see the touring life and what what it is because um, you, you, you meet a lot of people. I remember talking to a truck driver um, and he was, he worked with, um, there's a singer that played in Black Sabbath, Dio.
0: Johnny James Dio.
1: Yeah, so he was his tour manager, something like that. Wow. And um, just great conversations like that. Or you talk to the bus driver and, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, man, um, Snoop Dogg was just on here on the last trip. Wow. Or, or, or Keith Urban. Or, so you really pick these bus drivers' brains for all these cool stories. Um, but you, you see the other side as well, man. Like you see a lot of those bus drivers, um, you know, one guy just was like, man, my buddy um, hasn't seen his son for two years.
0: Because, oh. you know, he finishes
1: one tour. It, they, those guys work more than the bands, man, because they, pick, they yeah. drop off some, you know, or the lighting guy or the, the, he finishes one tour and he literally goes to the next one. I, I, I yeah, remember really? talking to a, um, a, a, a stage dude in Germany and he was trying to tell me that there was this lighting guy he knew who literally couldn't go to sleep in a normal bed anymore because it didn't have the rumbling sound. So he reckons he put a subwoofer under his bed or some shit. Oh, my God. To emulate because he was just so used to not being driving along in in a bunk.
0: It's like guys getting back from war. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I think, yeah, I think um, you you can see why people just go, oh, man, it's too important. That time to spend with your kids is so important and um, you can't get it back. Nope. Uh, especially when they're growing up. and So that's why the, that's the silver lining with this pandemic is in, in a way it's like I'm just day to and playing guitar at the moment. And it's sort of I, – I know I'll always look back and I'll never think, oh, man, there's a year that I lost of my life. It was like, mm-hmm. no, nah, man, it's been uh, – it you know, it's been gold at the same time. Well,
0: let's, so, so let's get to that then. So you – we were talking a bit off-air off before about how you – Moved over to Austin, Texas, like basically in February. Yeah. Um, how's that experience been for you m- musically as an artist and also just as a human? How have you found it?
1: As a human, it's been really cool to grow. And you know how you were saying before, you get, you, you could start to feel really comfortable. Yeah. <clears throat> and you have to make yourself uncomfortable to grow. So it was sort of that thing, you know, all of a sudden I've gone from a city where, you you know what I mean, you know everyone. Yep. If you, if you, I want to do a gig at some, at that place, I know who to ring, I'll just ring that dude. And if I want to record something, I'll just ring him and him. So it's like all of a sudden, you know, no one and you're starting from scratch, you know, and, um, all you got is what you know and your instrument and your experiences you've had. Um, so it's been a real sort of rebirth in that way. Um, just turning up to, to, um, to jams and just meeting people. So it's sort of, but, but that is very energizing as well. Absolutely. Um, and a really cool thing about Austin is it's a very community sort of, the music community is very, um, nurturing to sort of keep i don't know everyone i've met i haven't met one user and i've just walked up to guys on stage and been hey man how you doing most of them are just going hey man oh cool here's my number man give me a call let's hang out like that's sort of there there hasn't been any anyone who has been like oh who's this dude Who's this aussie turning up come to take my work there's been no sort of everyone's just been like really super sort of positive and, and which is you, like, wow, this is really cool. It's like, um, Can you
0: describe, can you describe sort of the, cause Austin is kind of Austin is a unique city. I've ne- never been there, but I've read a lot about it. It's, it's kind of like Nashville in Tennessee is kind of like a separate little universe. Austin in Texas is kind of a separate little universe. Can you talk us through a little bit about sort of what Austin's like? Austin's a bit more, um, It's a bit more alternative, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but, like, as far as, like, cruising around, I always think, you know, it's very, there's cool food trucks everywhere, heaps of cool bars, like, an insane amount of cool bars and venues. Um, And, but then in amongst it, 10 minutes from your house, it's, like, all these green belts and creeks and... Um, it's very. Um, it's a lot of people ride into like trekking and
0: right. riding
1: mountain biking and and um, that's very. Um, it's kind of unique in that way, like. Um, but yeah, like I, I think they that traditional blues and a lot of, a lot of the subgenres of, of blues music and um, and rockabilly and. Um, you know, old school stuff is very. The traditions are very. Um, that's still very much here, and, and people will. There's heaps of musos that will um, just nail that stuff. Yeah. Amazingly, yeah. but then it's not stuck in any sort of. There's no naziing about it either. That is a lot of people are just paying homage to, and, and 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 I mean, I think maybe it's continuing to evolve it, which is just so cool. Um, and then there's, massive no, there's no
0: jazz police.
1: No, nah, there's no sort of, you, yeah, you can sort of um, do what you, you, musically there's plenty of people doing incredible things, doing, I mean, you, you look at like um, Dol Bramhall and yep. Gary Clark um, and they, they've got that old school blues. That's a great example. You know, they've got that old school blues thing. You can, you can hear that heritage in their playing, that they've done their time doing that stuff and now they're doing their own thing. evolving um, it yeah and that's just really makes floats my boat I reckon that's so cool um yeah yeah, one one of the first gigs does he
0: does he play is it a 335 he plays
1: it's like a um I think he plays like a 330 like the P90 sort of
0: yeah right one big big old beautiful red thing
1: yeah but now he sort of plays what he plays whatever um he plays all sorts of different stuff now you see him with an SG a lot um yeah. And I was just, just actually just before, cause I've been a major Gary Clark fan for a long, the first time we saw him at Stubbs and, um, the, um, one of the last gigs I did just before the lockdown, um, at, it was about 9 PM. I was at home. Um, and there's a singer here in town, CJ Edwards. He's a great MC and singer and great improviser. And, um, I'd done a sort of jam thing with them once before um, at a venue called Dozen Street. But it was about 9 p.m. when I was at home and he messaged me on Instagram and he's like, hey, man, you want to come and do a gig tonight? And I was just like, (laughs) yeah, right, fuck it. And um, it started at like midnight or something or 11. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was at this super cool venue which was like – called Electric Church, which which was out of East Austin. And um, East Austin is kind of, I guess I'm trying to explain Austin, like you said, uh, asking before, it's very, um, East Austin, I, I believe used to be, from what I've been told, used to be the sort of pretty hardcore side, side of town. Like, and now it's like been a bit gentrified and it's sort of become the hip area as well but it's still very spread out like there's food trucks and like that's sort of Austin like you're just driving along a a sort of half dirt road and there's cool little bars and it feels it feels like you've jumped on a time machine there's a lot of Austin still like that which is so awesome you know Um, so I went to this venue and it was very much sort of like a um, just this underground sort of gig man where it was like not really event like the guy was serving booze and he just had like a bottle of scotch and a couple of cups like, there you go. <laughs> and um and got there and it was like this great great bunch of um dudes playing and we sort of just did this improvised sort of hip-hop sort of um funking out sort of stuff and um uh, it's gr- great drummer mario is a gospel style sort of drummer and everyone's super inviting and super cool i don't you know um and we were playing and um it it was the Austin Music Awards that night. Right and it, and it was about two in the morning and then and Gary Clark turned up. Oh and oh I, was, no. I was like, what is happening? This is crazy. And um had a very brief chat to him, but he was sort of going, Oh yeah, my wife's Australian. I'm like, yeah, oh, she's right, like a cool, or something, isn't she? Yeah, she's like she's from Western Australia somewhere. So that was the last gig I did here and it was sort of just Blew me away that I've been, uh, you know, met just meeting someone that you've listened to that music for so long, and then they end up being a really humble, cool, just dude. Um, and I think I that
0: the, yeah. I had the opposite. I had the opposite experience with Ginger Baker.
1: Ah, oh, I'm sure you would have with Ginger <laughs> Baker. <laughs> What, but didn't you already know that he would have been an asshole?
0: Oh yeah, no, I was, prepared. I was, I was fully prepared. But I was hoping. I was. Then you back your mind. You think is it all just kind of hype as he set up this sort of? No, he's a fucking asshole.
1: <laughs> Did you watch that documentary on him?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, so yeah. good. It was. It was. A, it was the coolest experience because I, I, his manager saw me play and just said, "Do you want to come and support him?" And I was like, "Yeah, whatever, man. Like, whatever." Yeah. Because you, know, you know how it is like when you're in a place like Austin or London and people are always talking, you know, well, we've got this happening and this happening. You give your card out and you – know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's – people People talk, always talk a great game. Yeah, anyway. grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're Ginger Baker's manager. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lovely. That's great. Okay, see ya. Yeah. And um, he called me back like three weeks later, said, do you want to come and do this support for Ginger Baker next week? And I was like – uh Oh, oh! You were Fair dickham like that yeah, was cool, thing. cool. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So yeah. I went and did it, and and like I for me, like growing up, I grew up on cream, like
1: cool man.
0: I grew up on the we were talking a bit before the power trio yeah. idea is kind of how I've always run my bands. I've always had that stripped back approach: guitar, singer, bass, and drums, and it's just yeah. raw, and it's it's either good or it's not. Yeah, and i've listened to his music since i before i can remember you know and it's and i walked and i was so nervous yeah. to meet him to meet him and i knew all about it and i and he came down i was, I did my sound check and he came down anyway and i was just like i've just got to say something man i've got yeah. to say something so i just walked up and i said I oh, you know excuse me excuse me mr baker you know um my name's ben um I just want to introduce myself you know I'm just really want to say thanks for the opportunity to support you I mean I've been a fan of you my whole life just want to tell you what an honor it is to play for you tonight and I just can't wait you know to see you perform And he sort of looked at me he just cocked his head on one side and went uh, turned his back on me and walked off
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's brutal And I immediately I called our mutual friend uh, Chris Pearson Ah, oh, did uh, you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I I called CP and said I yeah. just got fucking totally fronted by Ginger Baker. This is the best day of my life. So <laughs> yeah, So, yeah, so you, we, I think we had opposite uh, experiences, yeah, right. really. To be honest,
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: <laughs> but it's nice. I guess I guess growing up and and living sort of and working in Brisbane and being an artist to to be in a situation where you can actually be on stage or rub shoulders and talk to people that are real. Movers and shakers in the world scene is something that I, for me, it was something that I always wanted to experience. And yeah, you know, you know, I did a similar thing to yourself, you know, five nearly five years ago, and and moving to another city and starting again from scratch. Yeah, it's just such a. It just it just it shocks you. It shocks mm-hmm. you so hard because all the tropes you've fallen back on they don't work. Yeah, they don't exist. <laughs> all your networks don't exist, and nah. everything you're just you're going right. I have to really bring it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, every time yeah, yeah. you go out there's everything at stake and I I think that's such I think it's a, especially for yourself it's such a brave thing to do with with a with a young child as well and especially yeah. landing in the middle of well, basically the start of a pandemic. How how is <laughs> how have you found that experience? It was all planned, sort of, man. Yeah. Um, that experience from February experience. onwards.
1: Oh, right. Um well, I guess what like how it's been like now. Yeah. Yeah. Um are the things that have kept me going because isn't it, this is sort of what your podcast is sort of about isn't it it's like what do we do to cre- yeah. remain creative in this time and it is hard man it's a struggle because yeah. yeah. um, it's like i know when it started you can also have all these a good friend of mine who lives here he's, he's um aussie as well he's new zealand actually originally um and he's a uh, he does films and um, we were talking about it's like when it started, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this and this and this. I have the time in the world. But man, you have these sort of down times where you, you just sort of feel a bit flat and a bit like, fuck. Yep. You know? Um, so I just, but at the same time, when you do accomplish some little tiny thing, it sort of makes you go, cool. That's good. All right. We're still, we're still doing this. Yes. So um, I've sort of just been making myself keep, you know, keeping keeping uh, creative and um, writing. I, got, I mean, I've got so much, i got a hard drive full of music that I procrastinated and said, oh, I don't have time to finish that, but now I've got no excuse. So I've, I've um, been working on that. Um, um, I did some tunes for that cartoon Bluey. That was cool. Did three, oh, tunes, right. three tunes for them. So, um, yeah, Joff sent me a message. He does the music. Um, and that was really fun. And especially as well to have someone um, – there's been a couple, another guy here who does some library catalog sort of stuff. I've been enjoying doing some of that sort of work. Yep. Sort of um,
0: – More sort of straight session stuff.
1: Yeah, and also it's like here's a brief – i enjoy that as well with with the, with the catalogues sort the of music because it's like I, I did i did a bunch of stuff for a guy um from london um and it was like a brief okay we need some um mumford and sons type stuff and it's like you gotta write all these like little two minute things and um you know i grabbed a mandolin and got my nice acoustic and and he'd send me like a like a beat and you'd sort yeah. of make these little things and it um, but like you have to do it too I know with my own recordings and I, I don't know if you're the same But it's like i got a lot of time in the world I'll yep. start this And then it's like I'm oh, okay I haven't finished that song And it's, uh We started <laughs> last year so, um, <laughs> It's sort of been cool To have some deadlines Yes um, So, I, But I've been trying to sort of Impose deadlines on myself A little bit And writing a little list of, of You know What I've started working on And um, just to create, a, whether you're um, doing some little thing for Instagram or some little jam like that or something, at least you're, you're just making yourself pick up your guitar and create something. And may, maybe it's coming back to that, having a little vision. And even if it's something small, it um, it's just uh, makes you practice a lot and get better instead of... Um, sitting around looking at netflix so i mean
0: yeah <laughs> it's funny i actually i spent today going through a hard drive
1: there you go everyone's got them everyone's got a hard drive oh mate and i just oh, kept finding- all over it me and oh. cp talk about it all the time it's, how's the <laughs> drug and we go i oh, will suss it out instead <laughs> sort of put it under the rug again
0: i just kept finding folders yeah. When you find another folder, and you go, "Oh no, that's right. That was that was April 2019, yeah. right? Okay. There's yeah. Another, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, um, Mark Henman, You know, Hanno. Oh, drummer. Hanno. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. One of one of, and big shout out to Hanno, one of Australia's finest drummers.
1: He's a monster, but he's like the hoarder from hell. So, it, 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 when, when like when we write, when we record a song, and like there's like five takes. It's like, okay, that's the one. Cool, let's get rid of all those other takes. No, no, man, no, no,
0: no, man, just
1: just in case, just in case. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, it's like we keep everything. So, always, every session you bring up is just like this, like. Oh.
0: 20 gig.
1: It's like, and then you go, ah, oh, let's put it back under the rug again. Soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: We'll find, that, we'll find that folder in five years when the next couple of Yeah, pandemic, kids.
1: yeah. So, there's, um, but you know what it is, man? It's like um, you just got to initiate yourself to. Fucking sit down. Even if you don't feel like it, sit and just start doing it. Yep. And, and then all, all of a sudden half an hour will go past, an hour will go past, and you'll be like, oh, I did some shit. Cool. Absolutely. But it's just um, you just got to make yourself. And I, I think that goes for probably anyone in any – I know even my wife, Carrie working from home, she finds it way harder just being at home, like working yep. from home to, to just stay really – you know, when she was going to the office all day, you would be way more um sort of focus it's it's harder to sort of focus when we have this like when is this thing going to end sort of vibe it's like it sounds like it's pretty much ended in australia which is cool i think victoria's got some cases but
0: there's there's a there's a blow up in victoria but Mm -hmm. i mean to be honest there was only i think there was only a less than 100 people in the whole of australia died yeah and i mean to be honest like here there's still 100 people a day dying yeah wow no. so heavy. and i mean the states you know the states is i i follow it every day and there's fifty thousand new cases yesterday mm. and there's a lot of them down around where you live yeah i know florida texas yeah all the all the, all the red states are, <clears> are sort of
1: i think the important thing is too and i did it for a while um Just I followed the news like every day. I was like reading everything and pandemic and 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 all the protests and and um, you get on Facebook threads and have wars with people and it's fucking draining, man. And it's Uh like, um, and it's like all this stuff. Of course, it really matters, but it's like you've got to um, almost like limit how much you're gonna do.
0: Of it. absolutely because you absolutely. could literally
1: sit at your laptop and just do it every time every waking moment absolutely and, um, especially it, I, I felt like it, i feel like in america um s- something will be like the news and it'll just be every chance and then so now it's like what, what did trump know about russia with the bounty yeah. thing now, now everyone's talking about that and now yeah. george floyd until the next thing happens, like it's just like – so, and I feel like everyone just sort of is just, you know, completely – It's
0: a 24-hour um, news cycle. It's mm. it's corrosive because you can't – I mean, the Black Lives Matter thing is such an important – Big time. 100%. Such an important thing. And, have you know, having grown up – both of us having grown up in Australia. I mean, I grew up in outback Australia. Like, I grew up – Around a lot of indigenous people, and yeah, you know, I had a lot. You know, I, I played sports with a lot of indigenous people, and work with indigenous people, and yeah, you know, like it's 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 a real thing. Like this yes. this thing that we look at and go, oh, we'll just get over it, mate. It's nah. it's a it's a real thing. Like yeah. I, I've seen I've seen it firsthand in outback Australia. Like yeah, Aboriginal people, <clears throat> you know, being treated very very badly simply because mm-hmm. they happen to be Aboriginal people. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I always tell the story. I was walking home from a band practice one night and I had long hair and I was looking rugged and I had a bunch of friends and we were all, you know, we were metal kids at the time and the cop hassled us and where are you going? Where have you been? And in the back of my mind, you know, I gave him lip and said, I don't have to tell you anything, mate. Like, you know, like mm. I, I I don't have to tell you anything. Like yeah. I, I'm walking home. Like I'm I'm 19 years old. Leave me, you know, leave me the F line. You have to tell me your name. No, I don't. And mm. if if I was someone who was an African-American person or Big someone time. who was an Indigenous yeah. person, it would be a completely different it would context. play out quite differently. Yeah. Yeah. And to change that whole scenario, all I would have had to do is cut my hair and put a nice shirt on and they wouldn't have looked at me twice. But if my skin was black, they still would have stopped me. Yeah. So that's, that's the difference. So yeah. I think, you know, I think the 24-hour news cycle is, and, you know, Opinions are like arseholes. Everyone's got them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to sort of tear myself away from the keyboard.
0: Yeah. I have, uh, yeah, it it is, I I think um, everyone's caught up in their own little bubbles at the moment. Yeah. I think the pandemic has done a great, it's done a great service in showing us how false those bubbles are. Yeah. Because ultimately, like, It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. If you get sick, you get Mm. sick. you just get sick. And I I have friends that have gotten sick from it and I know people that have died from the disease. And it's a it's a it's a real thing that has Mm. real consequences. So it's you can you can vote for Trump all you like or vote for whoever you know, vote for Biden, but if you get sick, you may die. So wear a mask. It's sort of it's
1: sort of it's sort of shit that it's become so political.
0: Well, it amuses me. It amuses me that now Mitch McConnell and all the all the American hard hardliners that have basically been peddling denial for the last two months have now all coming out and saying mm. you should wear a mask. And that's yeah. only happened. That's only hap- Trump said yesterday you should wear a mask. Right. And that's because they can't. Everyone's starting to go. Hang on a minute. There's a hundred and thirty. There's a oh, yeah. people dead and fifty thousand new cases today. Like.
1: Yeah, well, all Trump does is get up there and talk about himself. So it's, yeah. it's sort of like – but unfortunately, there's just a lot of people that listen to him so, and who he, he, he can do no wrong by, which is really bizarre. But that's – yeah. But, I
0: mean, the Conservative Party won in a landslide here too, mate. Boris Johnson won in a landslide. Right. Boris Johnson is a is a bumbling idiot and he yeah. won a landslide. He won by 70%. Yeah. The cons- the conservative party has been in charge in Australia for 20 out of the last 25 years. Mm. So most of those guys have been pretty incompetent as well. So it's almost it's almost running.
1: like um it doesn't matter who it is. Pe- people just go I'm conservative so I don't care who. Yeah, you're you're yeah. it's tri- it's but tribalism. It, it, it's been interesting here though that um there's republicans that are
0: starting to be against trump yeah i,
1: I i'm more and more it, like they're starting it, to just go no nah.
0: well that's you know why that's happening though the only the only reason that's happening is because they're starting to look at the poll numbers and it's starting to look trump's losing mm. in red states to biden and that has yeah, nev- that's never, never happened. happened no never happened no. even no. when even when george bush was on 28 percent like mm. approval, he was still winning in yeah. the red states, and now yeah. Trump's starting to lose. And that, I think, has got to do with the economy. Yeah, because the economy is tanking and COVID.
1: Big time. Oh, totally. Yeah,
0: but I, I hope that uh, you're going to be okay, mate.
1: Yeah, I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic.
0: Great. And what's yeah. what's your what's your feeling in Austin? What's your hope for the scene there?
1: Like, post what I hope?
0: post post pandemic.
1: Well, I think we all have to just be make peace with the fact that things are never going to be like they were. Like anywhere in the world, maybe yeah. Australia will be cool because they've just had hardly any cases. But Europe and America, it, it's going to be like this for a long time, isn't it? Unless a vaccine. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, my hope is. I mean, there's such a driving force of artists in Austin. It's such a it's such a hub of, of creativity. So, um, I don't think that's just going to go away. Um, Excellent. Nah, it's no, it's too important, you know. Yeah. So, um, they'll figure out a way to whether it'll be more outdoor gigs. They're doing like drive-in gigs and shit like that here.
0: Yeah, that's Which cool. is pretty cool. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um,
0: well, I've, I've been doing some outdoor gigs here. And yeah, it's- cool. It's worked pretty well. People, yeah. are, people are pretty happy to be involved in it, actually. Yeah, cool. Which is quite exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many musicians in this town. Um, There'll be a way. We'll figure it out.
0: All right. Well, um, we might leave it there, mate, because we've been chatting for a long time. Sure, man. Um It's been lovely to chat to you. Can you uh, let us know where people can find more about David Orr?
1: Uh, you can jump on uh, Dave Orband Facebook or Instagram. Yep. yep. Um, that's probably where I <clears> – <throat> I've got a site that I'm about to set live probably in the next month. It'll just be Dave Orband as well. But better um, on Facebook
0: and Instagram. Right now, yeah. And it's o isn't it? That's it, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been awesome to talk to you. Cool, man. Haven't it's spoken to you in a, in a few years, so it's, it's, it's been Good to see Aussie. Yeah, yeah, for real. And uh, say hello to your little one and um, best of luck, mate. Cool, bro. All right, mate. Well, I'll talk to you soon, eh? Cool, man. See you later. If you've enjoyed the podcast, feel free to head over to the PayPal link attached to the description in the show notes and throw us a couple of pounds. You can also head over to my website, www.beneatonmusic.com, and check out all the stuff that I do. I'd love for you to leave a comment or get back to me on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, all under the name Ben Eaton Music. Have a great one. We'll see you next time.